this is the media majors podcast stop singing stop singing with your feet this is media majors i'm liam senior this is tom lockney tom jesus christ this is the this is the this is the theme this is gonna be the theme of the podcast and you are singing over it never watched this is media majors Hello, listeners, and welcome to Media Media. Ma- I've already fucked Medicine up. Medicine Medicinals. Welcome to Medicinal Majors, a <laughs> podcast about legal weed for our glaucoma. I can't move my legs anymore. That's not what glaucoma is, though. I don't know what glaucoma it's is. It's in your I just eyes. Know that you smoke weed for it. You do. You do. Uh, welcome to the Media Majors podcast. I'm Liam Senior, and I'm Tom Lockney. And this is a podcast where, uh, well, I like movies and TV and that industry. And I like games and general internet culture. And that industry. And uh, we also like the uh, what the other one is into, but don't know enough about it. So on this podcast, I research a true story uh, from movie and TV lore. And I do the same for games and internet, and we just try to blow each other's fucking minds, bro. Just try to, like, expand each other's third eye to not be blind. Maybe third eye seen? Who knows? We're we're both wet with anticipation. A, a TV show that we both adore has finally been announced for season two. Yes, I'm so excited. I was hoping it was going to be an anthology, but also, like, I'm super excited that they're continuing that story. Both sound. Both options sound great. I trust the Duffer brothers. They're smart folks. I really do. Yeah, let's... You want to just jump right in? I'm going first this week. June 1st, 1926. Norma Jean Mortison is born at Los Los Angeles County Hospital. The third child of Gladys Pearl Baker, whose maiden name was Monroe. Norma Jean would go on to become Marilyn Monroe. All right. I like where this is going. I like sex symbols. Marilyn Monroe, beautiful woman, smart woman. The identity of Monroe's father is unknown. Her early childhood was stable and happy. She was raised by evangelicals while her mother worked to support her. So she put her daughter in foster care and would work and eventually made enough money to move into a place in L.A., uh, but because of like this weird orphanage law thing, because she was like raised in foster care more than primary care, Monroe needed to get married really young. So at 21, she just married her neighbor's son. He went off to war and he worked at a factory, uh, a, munis- a municipal factory. Uh, so Monroe took over that job and was making bombs uh, for the war. And it was there in 44 that she met photographer David Conover. And that was basically it. She was a pinup model for uh, the U.S. Army Air Force First Motion Picture Unit, and she did, like, factory worker stuff, and, you know, people were gaga crazy for her. So she uh, quit working at the factory and began modeling for Conover and his friends, which is always a creepy sentence to read. I guess she divorced that guy because, like, it's never talked about again. Just like a Dear John, I would imagine. I guess. Hey, motherfucker, all your friends are dead. Also, I'm leaving you. Also, gotta go. Bye. Gotta go be famous. Uh, she moved out of her in-laws' homes and signed a contract with Blue Book Model Agency in 45. She started with the name Jean Norman. Not, not quite as catchy. Not quite as catchy. So what she did was she dyed and straightened her pla- blonde-haired platinum and put electrolysis in her eyebrows and like basically made herself look like a pinup model and became the pinup model. She was the most ambitious and hardworking model by 46. And by 1946, only working in the industry a year, she had appeared on 33 magazine covers. God damn. Yeah, she was great. 
So her agent arranged a contract where, uh, for an acting agency. She really struggled to like commit to acting for a while. Like she, it just didn't work out for her. But then she made uh, two small roles in two critically acclaimed films. She was in The Asphalt Jungle, John Huston's crime film. Remember that. It comes out as very important. And All About Eve, which like she played, I think she played like the type of kind of quirky dumb blonde that would become her go-to. Uh, yeah, a naive young actress, so like it was perfect for her, and she became super bankable. And then she made two movies that just cemented her status. It was Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and How to Marry a Millionaire, and that was it. She was dynamite, and this was by like the 50s, so she was just off and running. Part two. John Fitzgerald Jack Kennedy was born May 29th, 1917. So now that you know what we're talking about. Oh, I'm so psyched. We're talking about the Kennedy and Monroe fascination. And mostly, I'm about to talk about how most of that stuff is bullshit. Oh, really? Yeah. um, Well, you'll see what happens. But basically, so so JFK is the 35th 35th president of the United States, and his presidential term was just littered with controversy. The Cuban Missile Crisis, the Bay of Pigs invasion, the Nuclear Test Ban Treaty, the establishment of the Peace Corps, developments in the space race, the building of the Berlin Wall, the Trade Expansion Act to lower tariffs, and the Civil Rights Movement. All huge moments that, like, so he was plagued with this stuff just always being in the spotlight kennedy and his wife were younger to most of the other presidents and first ladies so they were very popular in pop culture at the time uh both were popular in media culture and way more common to pop singers and movie stars than politicians so this was huge kennedy was the first president to ask to be broadcast live and like totally totally killed it on tv looked calm really good looking guy from fucking boston i guess yeah you throw an attractive person up on a tv to tell everybody hey chill out y'all well he it was him against like fuckwad richard nixon who was just a sweaty bald mess (laughs) on television and it was like it was no comparison okay so now this is where it gets a little crazy because we're gonna jump back and forth through time so in 1952, Marilyn was filming Niagara, a movie she was in. A book critic named Robert Slatzer used his press credentials to get onto the set and take a bunch of pictures of her. Richard Allen, one of Marilyn's co-stars in the film, did not have a good impression of this guy. He was goo over Marilyn since he'd seen Asphalt Jungle. This guy hounded the Niagara set that day like a vulture. He got his picture taken with Marilyn, imposed himself on her, and kept snooping for personal tidbits. I didn't like him. Fuck that. I know. It gets worse. Marilyn said he he keeps asking questions and I don't want to be rude. I told her, be rude. Tell him to take a canoe down the falls. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently that Slatzer guy never saw Marilyn again as far as Richard Allen knew. But he would. He would later go on to write that recent op-ed, How to Talk to a Woman With Her Headphones. headphones. That's That's the guy. In May of 57 issue of Confidential Magazine, Slater parlayed his handful of on-set snapshots into a salacious tabloid article about Marilyn cheating on Joe DiMaggio with him. Marilyn was married to Yankee star Joe DiMaggio at this point. Yeah, what the fuck? And this was like a heat, this was the Brad and Angelina of their time. Everyone fucking knew they were married. There was zero evidence that she ever spoke to him prior before this Niagara stalking. Marilyn was like fiercely protective of her privacy in her inner circles. So this was huge. Slatzer resurfaced in 74, 12 years after Marilyn's death, claiming to have known her since 49, that they were super close friends over her entire career. 
and he approached publisher Will Fowler about a book he was going to write about Marilyn, and Fowler told him, you have no proof at all, you never knew her, and she never told you anything about yourself. Hell yeah. Shut that shit down. Then he goes, too bad you hadn't married the broad, because then we'd have a story to write. But wait, Slatzer suddenly remembered he had been married to to Marilyn Monroe. Oh, oh, bro, 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 bro. I I was, it's so funny that you say that. Because guess what? Guess what? What chestnut just popped open in my brain chestnuts? So he was married to her secretly, though, of course. Even though he changed the story several times, uh, there was no witness to the Mexican wedding that they <laughs> that they had. <laughs> Fuck off. No way. Mexican wedding. That was his story. Even though they looked at the dates and it turns out the date of their Mexican wedding, uh, they have shopping receipts for Monroe in L.A. Uh, and photo and photos of her at a photo play event that she was at. No one had any of this information, so Slatzer was able to, like, sell this lie that he had been married to her. Oh, fuck that. See, what happened was a lot of people had tried to make write books about Marilyn Monroe when she died, including Norman Mailer. In 1973, Norman Mailer had brought Marilyn to the forefront of the public consciousness with his book, Marilyn. It was the first mainstream book about Marilyn to allege the Kennedy affair. It was the book that also uh, started the conspiracies about her death, claiming that both the CIA and FBI were responsible. But there was one tiny problem with Norman Mailer's book. He had made the whole thing up. I needed money very badly, he answered. So I destroyed I destroyed this g- woman's reputation. Who had been dead? Who had Dude, been I needed dead? that fucking paper. Give me that fucking paper. He, uh, he admitted it to an interview later that year in 73 with Mike Wallace. Uh, I needed money very badly. I had no research, uh, and I knew the Kennedy thing would sell it more. And I knew I could sell it more if people saw that it was murdered. So Slatzer sees the runaway success of this book and decided to make another book about Marilyn Monroe's uh, life that was just filled with absurd conspiracy theories. Arthur Miller, who was, uh, had a relationship with Marilyn Monroe, said of Norman Mailer, uh, Mailer was himself in drag, acting out his own Hollywood fantasies of fame and sex unlimited and power. Uh, so Slatzer p- published his own book, the 1974 publication of The Life and Curious Death of uh, Marilyn Monroe. She never kept a diary, but that's like a huge part of the evidence was from her diary. They say that her phone lines were tapped. There is no evidence of her phone lines being tapped. Because <sighs> it was apparently she was making tons of calls to Washington, D.C. There is no evidence of this. Not her agent, publicist, lawyer, no one said that she had ever called D.C. Fucking unbelievable. Totally sounds legit. Marilyn Monroe and John F. Kennedy, however, did know each other. So now we're going to look, and I've read a bunch of different articles that really fact-check this. Um, uh, And again, I have them all here so we can put them in. One of them is a BuzzFeed article, but this woman did a ton of research. Let's look at the facts. So on April 11th, 1957, at the uh, April in Paris Ball at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York City, Marilyn Monroe and John Kennedy are at these events. Uh, it is possible that they met at this time. There are no photographs of them together at this event. However, there are photographs of them with their spouses, uh, Arthur Miller and Jacqueline Kennedy. The next time they were together was at the National Democratic Convention on July 15th in 1960. There is claim repeated by many authors that Marilyn attended the convention incognito to meet up with JFK afterwards. This story originally originated with John Carmen, who is basically the female Robert, sorry, Jean Carmen, who is the female Robert Slatzer. How do we know that this isn't true? Well, 
12 days before the convention, Marilyn flew up to New York in the 60s, and she did hair and makeup tests for the movie The Misfits, and then flew back to Los Angeles on Sunday, July 17th. Two days later, on July 20th, she flew to Reno to start work on The Misfits. Another author had alleged that Marilyn flew to Hyannisport to meet JK at the party of the weekend of September 22nd through September 24th, except that Joe DiMaggio's estate auctioned off this telegraph from Marilyn to Joe, dated September 22nd, 61, so she couldn't have done that. She had been on a plane heading to New York, and the engine had trouble, and they had to turn around and go to Los Angeles. She would not be arriving in New York until September 23rd. Yeah, there was no way that she could have landed in New York and then gone up to Massachusetts to attend a party with him. And also, she was in New York during the dnc so like none of this none of it was true none of this is true what the fuck uh it was alleged that she snuck into the white house on several occasions all of kennedy's secret service people have like most of them have said that that never happened there is evidence though that they did have sex at least once but it's kind of not really so some people say it is some people say it isn't so let's go into it so on march 24th and 62 Bing Crosby had a house party in Palm Springs, and actor Peter Lawford, who was married to JFK's sisters Pat, had invited JFK. Marilyn Monroe was also at the party. According to Marilyn Marilyn Monroe's biographer Donald Spado, Marilyn Monroe called her personal masseur, the actor Ralph Roberts, from the same bedroom where JFK was staying at Bing Crosby's house. Roberts, JFK, and Monroe all had a brief conversation about the president's back problems. Are we talking like... Back problems or like fucking back problems? Because because this was her this was her masseuse, her masseuse. This was Marilyn's oh, okay. masseuse. So they interviewed interviewed the masseuse, who later said later once the rumor mill was grinding, Marilyn told me that this night in March was the only time her she had sex with JFK. She was titillated beyond belief. He had been trying to get to her through Lawford for forever. It wasn't the weekend. It was literally just one night. It was not a major event for either, either of them. It happened once, and then that was it. So that was from her personal masseuse and friend, Ralph Roberts. Interesting. I mean, I mean, JFK never struck me as the like consistent affair type, especially with somebody high profile like a movie star. Like I know he was fucking around with like mafioso daughters and stuff like that. Well, it's also it's also it's, there's so much like Frank Sinatra was with the mob, so this was like a very you know J- yeah. JFK was kind of like a Sinatra esque figure for politics. So, so Ralph Roberts is not an extremely a reliable source. So they asked one of Marilyn Monroe's bodyguards, last name Boring. This is interviewed by a guy named Hardigan. And these stories about Marilyn Monroe getting to see him while he was in the Palm Springs on that rest period, boring. Absolutely untrue. The complaints was completely under... I mean, you couldn't even get in the road. The average citizen wasn't permitted on the highway leading to this little small compound where he was home. It was absolutely impossible for her, unless she was a mountain climber, to climb up to where the house was. I highly doubt that she was there. Uh, and this was from her friend who was like, no, she was definitely there and they fucked. I know a few people. I, know, I had a teacher once in high school who would have climbed a mountain to fuck JFK. She talked about him. She was a history teacher. Talked about him all the time. He's gross. Like, he's not that good looking. Marilyn Monroe is gorgeous, but JFK is not that good looking. Okay, so the next and last time Monroe crossed paths with JFK was at Kennedy's 45th birthday party at Madison Square Garden. The knowledge of their one-night stand had kind of been around and this was sensationalized when she performed her very famous rendition of happy birthday mr president this is all from the wikipedia article of just this song happy birthday mr president is a song sung by actress and singer marilyn monroe for president john f kennedy at his 45th birthday thanks mr president for all the things you've done the battles that you won the way you deal with the u.s steel and our problems by the ton we thank you so much 
And then an enormous cake was presented, and she had written lyrics specifically for him. Jacqueline Kennedy did not attend the event. Was she aware of... Oh, I'll get to it. Hold on. Monroe's dress was noted for being made of sheer and flesh-colored marquisette fabric. So it was very tight, and there were lots of rhinestones. Peter Lawford was introducing to him, the guy who had introduced them. And yeah, it seemed it seemed like it kind of was uh, came out of nowhere that she just did this show stopping show stopping rendition. The whole thing was completely planned of time, planned before time. Oh. You can see her rehearsing for it. Like this was all super Dope. planned out. Dope. And Jackie Dope. Kennedy didn't go to the didn't go because the event wasn't just a birthday party. It was also a Democratic fundraiser, and she didn't like to go to large political events. She was at a horse show in Virginia, a chip that she had been planning for months before this event. That performance made the rumors even more palpable. JFK apparently closed off all possibilities of relationship with her after that because he didn't he was getting a little too out of hand. George Smathers, a former senator of Florida who shared JFK's interest in womanizing, he was the one who was like, ah, Marilyn Monroe fell in the White House a few times after the birthday party gala, but JFK would ignore her calls. None of that is true. <laughs> As we have said, like, she's never called the White House. This whole <laughs> thing was planned. Like, it was just because they were both really popular and they could win votes this way. All the Democrats were womanizing, so they brought in fucking Marilyn Monroe, so they'd vote for Kennedy. Have you ever had a rumor spread about you that you were having sex with somebody? No. That happened to me once, and it was so funny, and it was so funny, and she and I uh, totally played it up, and it was this, it, it, it was exactly the same. It was this huge joke until it wasn't where it was like, yo, this is like fucking for real. We should maybe peel off a bit. Right. Well, the reason, I mean, it's funny, my girlfriend and one of my closest friends pretended to be dating during this terrible TV class they had together, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. You always got to keep them guessing. So the story's not done yet. It gets weirder. Oh, also, uh, sorry, just quickly saying, Robert F. Kennedy's personal secretary... So Robert Kennedy's secretary was like, oh, she called all the time. And then this woman found the phone bill, never called. <laughs> so it's like, there's just all this evidence that all this shit happened. And it didn't. A lot of pictures of them together have been cropped to make you think that they're closer together than they are. Oh. Uh, there's a rumor that she gave JFK a watch for his birthday. She did not. There's photos of them making out together. Those were staged. Apparently she called the White House nonstop before she died. She died. No evidence of that whatsoever. So that's crazy. So she went on to do a bunch of movies and stuff, but by the 60s, she'd become addicted to amphetamine and barbiturates and experienced mental health problems, depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, chronic insomnia for several years. And she had acquired a reputation for being difficult to work with as she frequently delayed productions by being late to film sets and often had trouble remembering her lines. Here's the thing, though. She was in a system that was basically like, you need to get electrolysis in your eyebrows, you need to dye your hair platinum blonde, you need to wear stuff that like uh, makes your hourglass figure pop. She was dating Joe DiMaggio and Arthur Miller, who were fucking assholes. So, like, she, and then people were like, hey, now you're treating our films bad. So it's just the blatant misogyny from the industry was totally destroying her. And then this is where things got to a head. She was supposed to be in Breakfast at Tiffany's as Holly Golightly. And even Truman Capote, who wrote the book, was like, we should get Marilyn Monroe. And so they casted Audrey Hepburn instead. And that was kind of the nail in the coffin. On 4.30 p.m. on August 5th, 1962, her doctor arrived to conduct a a therapy session. He asked the housekeeper to stay overnight to keep Monroe company. 
Then Marilyn Monroe received a call from Joe DiMaggio Jr. She was still close with him after she had broke up with his father, and they were just talking for a bit at about 7.45. At 8 p.m., Peter Lawford called. He wanted her to come out to a party tonight. Fucking Peter Lawford just gets people to parties, man. Lawford came alarmed as Monroe sounded like she was under the influence of drugs and told him to say goodbye to Pat, say goodbye to the president, and say goodbye to yourself because you're a nice guy before drifting off. Whoa. Uh, Lawford called his agent who got in touch with the doctor who got in touch with the housekeeper and the housekeeper was to- was said, everything's fine, I'm taking care of her. At 3 a.m., the housekeeper woke up and sensed that something was wrong, saw light from Monroe's door, was not able to get a response, the door was locked. She telephoned the doctor, they kicked the door down, Monroe was running face down on her bed, co- covered by a sheet and clutching a telephone receiver. And at 4.25 a.m., they notified the L.A. Police Department. So by August 5th, she was pronounced dead. Based on her advanced... Oh, so listen to this. Monroe's autopsy was conducted on the morning of August 5th by all these people and had psychiatrists and doctors. Uh, based on her advanced state of rigor mortis at the time she was found, it was estimated she had died between 8.30 and 10.30. It was barbiturate poisoning. There were empty bottles of medicine were found next to her bed by the police. There were no signs of external violence on the body. Yeah, it gets, it gets weird. So the findings of these inquests were published on August 17th. They, te- they classified the death as a probable suicide. The possibility of an accidental overdose was ruled out as the dosage found on her body were several times over the lethal limit and had not been taken in one gulp or a few gulps over a minute or so. Sorry, it had been taken in one gulp, or a few gulps, uh, and people said that she was depressed and stuff. I would, I would fucking imagine, yeah. Here's the one problem: she obviously killed herself. There are so many conspiracy theories about her death. I mean, fuck, there's conspiracy theories about people alive, like that shit where um, Katy Perry is John Bonet Ramsey. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. The first allegation she had been murdered by anti-communist activist Frank A. Capel's self-published pamphlet, The Strange Death of Marilyn Monroe, in which he claimed her death was part of a communist conspiracy. And it was RFK that... Well, the, since because of the rumors about JFK, it was also rumored that she was also with RFK. And so this guy thought that RFK had sent the hit on her. And, the, and then they, like, interviewed cops who were big on conspiracy theories. And, like, they were like, oh, no, something was wrong when we got to her house. And, like, this is nothing to do with anything. And then the guy who, the cops who were linked to this, like, got arrested for falsifying affidavits and then, like, not supporting the Civil Rights Act. And oh. so it's, like, really fucked well, up. There you go. So in the 70s, that's when Norman Mailer and Robert Slatzer and Anthony Scaduto did all of their fake stories. Scaduto published an article about Monroe's death in soft porn magazine, We, all untrue. He said that she had been wiretapped by surveillance ex- expert Bernard Spindel on orders of the union leader Jimmy Hoffa so he could use the evidence against Kennedy. Fuck, fuck off, no way. In 1982... <laughs> Slatzer had hired a private detective named Milo Spriglio, and he published a book called Marilyn Monroe Murder Cover-Up, in which he claimed that Monroe had been murdered by Jimmy Hoffa and his mob boss Sam Gainchan uh, because they wanted unions, to, they wanted to look up dirt on JFK. No, oh my fucking God. So everything about this woman's life is all tied back to this dude who she never, ever, 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 Jesus ever... And these theories are like documentaries have been made about them and books have been written. They're all fucking... They're garbage. No, well, no. yeah, until until this story that you're telling me now, I fully, I fully believe that she had just been been doing the dirty with no, JFK. it's all the misogyny around her fucking mythology. I mean, yeah, like clearly that is not. Yeah, clearly, like she never. I maybe she fucked him that one time, maybe. But like, well, also, no, maybe because not. because the masseuse w- was a liar. Because 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 the, when they you asked one of Kennedy's bodyguards, he was like, no, that place was a fortress. There was no way she could have gotten in. 
1990, there were two more books about Monroe, mur- uh, Monroe being murdered. And of course, they asked like Donald Spotto, her doctor, to be who disputed all the conspiracy theories and said it was an overdose. How much? How much of this do you think? I mean, obviously, a large part of it was misogyny, but how much of it do you think is? It, we love to do conspiracies about our icons. I mean, people think that Kurt Cobain didn't kill himself and uh, he didn't. Well, there was a one guy, listen to this. There was one guy named John Minor who started making allegations that she was murdered. And then it turned out that Minor had a personal obsession with enemas and practiced serio machism. And so his theories about her death were uh, concluded to be uh, repressed sexual interests and were not based on actual evidence. But this is all on the Wikipedia page for her death. People thought that she was assassinated because the because of the Bay of Pigs. That's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. As recently as recently as 2014, there have been claims that there is a sex tape of the two uh, Kennedy brothers double teaming Monroe, and it's sold for between ninety thousand to two hundred thousand dollars. That was on fucking ABC News. I this is part of the reason that I I believe this was true because I was. When I was a kid, my folks made me watch the news every like every day, and and one of them, one of the stories was about like check it out, like some auctioneer bought Marilyn Monroe's scandalous sex tape for like millions and millions of dollars, and they were alleged like, sex tape, and apparently like the actual tape has never been seen. It doesn't exist. It's not real. I distinctly remember ABC being like, it's about fellatio with JFK, and it was like y'all are the nightly fucking news. I'm telling you right now, Google. JFK Marilyn Monroe sex tape nothing comes up nothing comes up it was it was literally like taken out of the auction so here's how I end the story in November 22nd 1963 uh, JFK was assassinated yeah there you go but that's the story I know it wasn't very funny but like that's incredible all of this conjecture it's all conjecture and it's all because one fucking dude one creep took a bunch of pictures of her and then wanted to make money off of it and insisted they were married. So yeah, I think it's important to remember that, you know, when we hear stuff about Britney Spears. Amber Heard. Specifically Amber Heard, people like that. When you look at Britney Spears, you know, she's not the best comparison to Marilyn Monroe. But what we have is someone who is clearly mentally ill, has a myriad of terrible yeah, problems. Some sort of instability. And we just, you know, I say this because I just saw her VMA performance and... She looked terrified. And I can imagine if she was terrified because it seems like every five years she comes back to the VMAs and then everything goes to shit again. Everyone starts tearing her down, shaves her head, she goes crazy. And I just think that, you know, with Marilyn Monroe stories, you got to remember that, you know, they're people too. Just because they're starlets, they have thoughts and feelings, man. And that, like, sometimes you just got to leave them alone. Gita Jackson wrote a great piece for Kotaku a little while, a couple weeks ago, about the Britney Spears game, which is in in the milieu of the Kardashians game. It was talking about how uh, Britney Spears' dad is like kind of a dirtbag who controls her life, and and yeah, yeah, it's really yeah, yeah. Awful. We don't ever see the the puppet masters and and the people who influence their lives, and it's important to think about that. Fuck, Mar- Marilyn mm-hmm. Monroe was awesome, and I had no idea that she was, this was so such awesome. A bunch of bullshit. Dude, she was so awesome that, like, the, all this sexist shit was happening around her, and she just, like, water off a duck's back. Didn't fucking bother yeah, her. You'd never, you'd never know it looking at her, at, at, at collections of her public image, historical collections of it. She, you know, she, li- she lived, I think, the life 
that she lived. I know that sounds silly, but like had a weird childhood, kind of made the most out of it, dated some pretty strange dudes. I mean, Arthur Miller is a fantastic playwright. So I imagine that they had interesting conversations. But yeah, don't believe things you just blindly hear. Fuck. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, man. That's the story of Marilyn Monroe. All right, Tom. Tell me a story. All right, Liam. I'm go- I'm going to tell you a story, and it's about something called the Red Ring of Death. Oh my god, I know what this is. You know what this is? You know what this is, but you don't know the whole story, and that's what this podcast is all about. Quick preface xbox 360 came out in 2005 really yeah oh yeah crazy right that that can't be true it's it's fucking true man when did the first xbox come out then fuck if i know dude i'm looking it up xbox was released in 2001 but you're right the 360 was 2005 oh five motherfucker holy shit yeah dude okay i've gotten two segments of the red the ring of death like two rings okay well if you want to know what that is that means overheating. That's the left half. Because this was a poorly made console. You can explain it if I, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. There are, th- around the power button on the Xbox, there are four LED indicators yeah, that yeah. can, that are usually green for just like when it's on. Quadrants of a circle, yeah. And the red ring of death is when all four are red and it basically, Ooh, no, no, okay. No. When three are red, when three are red. There are three others. There's the overheating, which is when the left half is blinking red. There's just hardware failure, which is the, the, bottom right circle accompanied by a two-digit error code on display and then another the av cable error which is the true red ring which is all the lights that's the full that's that's the that's the one ring that's the complete ring the red ring of death that is so important and almost fucking just full-on killed microsoft and the not microsoft but the xbox brand is the red ring of death and that's the three it's three it's it's three quarters of the ring are flashing red, and it means general hardware failure. Not to be confused with hardware failure, which is just the one. General hardware failure occurring with freeze-ups and graphical or sound errors. There was no corresponding message. It was just black screen. Bam, you were dead. Ring of red. Boom. Gun to the head, trigger pulled. Bam, you're out. Your fucking brain's on the curb. So basically, you were pretty much fucked. Yeah. And... Everyone's experience with the Red Ring of Death was the same, but it occurred it occurred culturally in stages. So Xbox comes out in 2005, and then a bunch of people in about, I want to say 2006-7, about a year or two, right as the warranties for a lot of these bad boys are popping off, invalidated, start Red Ringing. And people are like, yo, like, what the fuck, man? Well, as I remember it, there were these nine kings that got these red rings. Yes. And I'm done. That's 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 it. Oh, listener, fuck you. He's like, yo, what the fuck? And Microsoft's official response is, hey, it's only the three to five percent failure rate for consoles, which is totally normal for all console releases and hardware releases just in general. So how many units do they move, do you think? It's got to be at least a million, right? Oh, it's in the millions. So that's three. So three to five percent of that is still a lot of consoles. That's still a lot, and and three to five percent is not the accurate number. And we'll get to the accurate number in a, in a hot min. You're in New York in a New York minute. We'll get there in a New York min. Tom, a New York minute is twelve South Dakota minutes, and it's fifteen Ohio minutes. 
It's 15 Ohio minutes, but it's fucking raining and sleeting and snowing all at the same time, and it's ice, and somebody on meth is punching you in the dick over and over. And they keep, and they keep screaming, O-H! O-H! And you're like, I don't know what you I didn't go to your fucking school! So Microsoft is like, fuck you, we're leaving you high and dry. And so people start cherry-rigging solutions. I'm sure you, you red-ringed. No, I just had the overheating, thank God. Oh yeah, you, you only had the overheating. I read ringed multiple times, and we'll also get to that, because that's some bullshit. Yeah. So people start jerry-rigging solutions, the most popular of which is the towel method. Did you hear about this? It sounds familiar, but refresh, enlighten me. Literally, you just wrap it in towels. You turn it on for about 20 minutes. Nothing plugged in except the power cable. You wrap the damn thing in towels. It didn't work. It didn't make sense. It was, was it like wet towels or dry towels. It was like slightly damp towels. Well, how wet would that do? That's you're gonna get electrocuted. The idea was to overheat your console and then cool it again. I guess. Which doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Yeah, because but if the console overheats, the the damp towel is gonna heat. Those things, like, retain heat. It doesn't make any fucking sense, and people insisted that it worked. And there's there's evidence to suggest that that maybe worked, but it, it, it was a temporary fix at the very fucking best. It sounds like it's, it sounds like less than it sounds like someone came in's like uh, guys uh, uh, machines are overheating. Oh, wrap that shit in a damp towel, Craig. <laughs> you know what that sounds like? Uh, one of my exes had used to wrap her pubic hair in a damp towel. The sex was terrible. Everything was so dry. No, she had a truck and the truck was fucking like literally this truck was dangerous and it was it was a fucking death trap. It like the steering wheel would shake the whole time and uh-huh. her and her family were uh, under under my recommendation, like actually like popped the hood on that motherfucker and looked in to be like, yeah, well, yeah, what's the sit here? Yeah, it's filled with damn towels. I don't know dick about cars. And, and I was like, yo, guys, like this is unsafe for me. For your daughter, granddaughter, niece, whoever, whatever the fuck your relationship well, is to her. Were they from Mad Max? Well, the way they jerry-rigged it, you'd think they would have been. The way they fixed it was, I, I, again, I don't know a lot about cars, but they replaced one of the parts with a beer can and like a uh, uh, plastic tube for yeah that's like oil or some shit and i was like yo like this does not fix the problem if anything this is worse when the mountains turn blue that's when you know this can of Coors light is ready to go into your engine (laughs) when when this can turns blue you know that when you turn that ignition you won't blow the fuck up is my car getting drunk it is but you can still drive it fucking ohio man oh h oh h Buckeyes, yeah, Buckeye fever. Buckeyes. Are you saying? Are you saying you want to fuck guys? Fuck no. Then they get mad. Okay, so one option was the towel method, which doesn't work and didn't even make any fucking sense. And the other option was to piss on it. Or yes, you would piss on it. It was jank. You would just make jankum, and you would turn on, and you would put. The Jankum fumes in through your exhaust port. You would make Jankum and then just turn it on and get really high off the Jankum and pretend you were playing. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. That's the best GTA I've ever played in my life. The other option was to literally take your console apart. So I'm talking like screwdrivers, like tools. And that would, of course, void the warranty, which and, and it would also end up destroying more consoles than it fixed. I almost used this method one time when I was a younger boy and somehow even dumber than i am today and even then i was like yo maybe this ain't a good idea like i could like seriously fuck up my console even worse 
What? How? You, you have engineer training and software training. Oh, no, wait, you don't. You're 12 and you have an Xbox. Peter Moore has since spoken about the uh, Red Ring of Death. Who's Peter Moore? Peter Moore was the then uh, corporate vice president of Microsoft's interactive entertainment business division. Just same video game department, you spineless fucktwits. <laughs> he released an open letter. Because uh, we all know what those are and mean. I'm so glad people don't release closed letters. I would be able to read them. This uh, comes from the official Xbox website, however many years ago. Xbox.geocities. Quote, you've spoken and we've heard you. <laughs> fuck off, fuck off, Good fuck service off, fuck off. and a good customer experience are areas of business that we care deeply about. Don't tell me what I already know and already assume about your company. And frankly, we've not been doing a good enough job. By the way, if you want to look for an example of some corporate hack giving the biggest non-apology in the world, just look at uh, Mark Ruffalo with that movie where he uh, hired what's fuck to play a trans person. And, every, and all these trans people were like, hey, Mark Ruffalo, not fucking cool. And he was like, my heart aches for the trans community. I'm so happy we're having a dialogue. But he never actually said sorry, and he's not actually doing anything different. But yeah, he's Mark Ruffalo. Everyone likes Mark Ruffalo, and I'm like, no, there's a creepo in there. I can see it. Yeah. I can see it when I close my eyes. Hey, Mark Ruffalo, we're watching you. Meteor Majors watch, y'all. Mark Ruffalo. Yo. Taking him to task. Ruffalo watch 20K16. And yeah, I know I said 20K16. I mean, this is the year 20,016. <laughs> if you believe the religion, I believe. Liamism. Continued Peter Marquardt. As of today, all Xbox 360 consoles are covered by an enhanced warranty program. Also known as my jizz. <laughs> Peter Moore, because it's more sil silty than you'd want jizz to be. Moving on. <laughs> gonna, gonna edit that one out. As you can tell, I opted to not edit that one out. Covered by an enhanced warranty program to address specifically the general hardware failures indicated by the three flashing red lights on the console. This applies to new and previously sold consoles. I I got I, I got to give I got to give Peter Moore and Microsoft credit. They set aside a billy, a full billy. Oh, a billy. Okay, 1. that's fair. 1.15 and a shocking amount of goodwill from a corporation. So they set aside 1.15 billion for improved customer service. It should be noted that this customer support program consisted of customers having to pay a fat hundo to uh, Microsoft for them to make the repairs and hoping for the best. Uh, mm. All right, here's the thing. 100 bucks for repairs as someone who owns musical instruments, not the worst a repair could be, but I didn't like that last part you said where it was like, We'll see what we can do. I can speak from this personally, where I had to send in my Xbox twice with that that fine honey. Yo, call you, you Winnie the fucking Pooh over here because of all that fine honey. So that's some bullshit. I had to send in my Xbox twice, which should speak to the quality of the repairs that they were making. Uh, I'm going to say poor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, 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 very. And uh, part of that was actually because Microsoft claimed to not know what the exact problem was. Peter Moore, 
made a podcast appearance on the IGN podcast. He gave an interview and he talked about he's no longer with Microsoft. He's at EA right now. Tom, are we going to get an interview with Peter Moore on our podcast? For sure. Oh, I've got my people on it. They're calling him. They're tweeting him. They're texting him. Hashtag Peter Moore. Hashtag media majors. Hashtag dicks out for Peter Moore. Dicks out for Peter Moore. I refuse to say dicks out for H word now. Me too. So Peter Moore gave a podcast appearance for the IGN podcast. He describing telling the situation to then Microsoft chief Steve Ballmer. I hope I'm saying that name right. Steve Baldwin. Yes. Known Gamergate activist. Totally. <laughs> no, what? It's, one of the, it's not Alex. Wait, are you th- you're thinking of Adam Baldwin from Firefly, who is not one of the Baldwins. Like he's not related to Alex, Steve, Daniel, or Billy. Yeah, he's a different Baldwin. So Peter Moore said to Stephen Ballmer, quote, if we don't do this, this brand is dead. Think of how much weight that phrase carries in 2016. And then in retrospect uh, on the matter, Peter Moore said, if we hadn't made that decision then and there, speaking about, of course, the 1.15 billion customer service initiative, if we hadn't made that decision there and then, and tried to fudge over this problem, then the Xbox brand and the Xbox One wouldn't exist today. That is how serious the red ring of death was. Uh, at this point, at this point in the Xbox 360's lifespan, I'm talking like late 2000s. Uh-huh. It becomes like a meme because Microsoft is at least reaching out to people, even if even if multiple people have to send it in multiple times and pay multiple dollars. Like something is fucking happening, which is not the norm. And this is early 2000s, which is like that's a that's a bad time to be a, a meme because that means that it's ve- like super well well known how much your product is sucking artists wrote songs about this there's red rings of death by distended warranty rings of fire by doc adams xbox 360 That's sung okay. by angel duarte and many many others there's actually a novelty product called the xbox coffin or you can put your xbox 360 in a tiny little coffin that's just a repurposed baby's coffin if you want to like kill maybe like 20 minutes just look up people destroying their red ring to xbox 360s i had a friend who's like a huge gun nut who shot his xbox 360 with a fucking shotgun at close range I would like you, okay, I'm going to come back to the failure rate of the Xbox 360. 3-5%. to 5%. And I keep asking you to guess numbers on this show. There was a 2009 Game Informer that found that the failure rate was approximately, and I'm going to ask you to fill in the blank there. 17%. You're thinking small potatoes, my friend. What? You were thinking the smallest potatoes. 75%. You're a little high on that one. 55%? 54.2%. Oh my fucking god. Fucking wow. Nuts. That's insane. By comparison, the PlayStation 3 had failure percentages that were also above the 3 to 5%, but they were, I believe, under 20 this is this is fucking nuts. Fifty. That's basically saying, hey, do you want a product that, hey, one at look, flip a coin, tails, you're fucked, heads, I made money. Yeah, man, exactly. Microsoft, by the way, never disputed this, 
And and that number, that 54.2% number, comes from a reader poll. So there's a certain amount of grains of salt that you have to take. But final failure statistics pulled from official polls as an aggregate range from between 30 to 80%. The number may have been inflated because GameStop actually was... Oh, no, no, no. was reselling temporarily fixed consoles. Using that heat cool method, similar to the towel method, they they figured out if you overheat it and then you cool it, that temporarily fixes the issue, which is what the towel method was supposed to do. Oh man, this story like it all it all tied together in the end. I love it. And so I want to talk about the causes. Yes. Oh my god, this is awesome. So there's no official release from Microsoft, so we don't have anything particularly official to go off of. However, uh, in that IGN podcast, Moore says that they did know it was heat-related. Perhaps the biggest finger point was towards the graphics chip, because rather than use an application-specific integrated circuit, ASIC for short. Thank God. Thank God they came up with a for short version. I don't even remember the short version. Neither do I, and I, I just said it. And you're looking at I'm it. I'm looking at it, and I can't remember it. It's all blurs and shapes. So instead of using that, Microsoft designed their own chip, and they manufactured it in Taiwan. And they saved tens of millions on this deal. And, and, and I, I specifically say uh, the tens of millions as a, as a reference point for that $1.15 that they spent mm-hmm. on customer service. Because it was shitty of Microsoft, and man, they fucking paid for it. They did not totally recoup their investment on skimping on those chip charges. So, rare shout-out to a corporation for actually, like, putting in money for a customer service thing. Fucking crazy. And it should be noted that Microsoft did eventually swap out the chips in newer models that had drastically lower failure rates. So... It can be reasonably assumed that this was, for the most part, the cause of many of these RROTs. However, other folks blame the solder used, uh, the the lead-based, I believe, solder, claiming it would become brittle and crack in heat, which doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. because solder melts in heat and also wouldn't explain, though that, and also doesn't make sense with the heating cooling method. In fact, the opposite would be true, because if the solder was bad, it would become brittle and crack under cold. All the sources I could find about the solder said that it would crack in heat, which doesn't make sense if you know how solder works. Uh-huh. And, and, and now uh, the Xbox One released with its own bullshit like the Kinect, but Microsoft said that it wouldn't experience any red ring of death issues, and it didn't, and it hasn't, and that's the red ring of death. That's awesome. Yeah, man. I guess that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's been uh, that's been media majors. Marilyn Monroe and the Rendering of Death. That's what this one's called for sure. Thanks for listening. Do you have anything to plug? Yeah, I'll just plug the usual stuff. Boys Night Video on the YouTube. Follow Tom and I on Twitter. Easy to find. I do other podcasts. I have one called Schmanime that I do with my friend Eric. I listened to my first episode of Schmanime earlier this week, and it was great. What? Which one was it? The most recent. 14? Ah, oh, that's such a good one. Uh, and then I'm working on a new podcast that should be coming out soon called Musty TV, 
that it sounds very silly and unnecessary, but it's so much fun. As my friend Josh and I watched the first episode and final episode of, like, an older TV show and just riff on how weird it was, it, it was actually really fun. We did Dinosaurs for the first episode, the ABC show Dinosaurs, and it's weird. They all die. The they end, all right? die. They yeah. all die at the end. I, I think it was insightful. It was really fun. And just two two friends trying to make make each other laugh and then decide whether or not old TV was good. Be on the lookout for that, I guess. Do it, y'all. Uh, my plugs, I write a bunch about games and everything. I also always put up a companion piece to these podcasts. You can find those at Game Informer, the Game Informer blog. Just search my name. Usually the topic of the episode will suffice. I also just give general commentary. I upload Let's Plays with a friend of mine who goes by Tosca Mahaya to protect his identity. Uh, I also edit together... You you edit together videos of the Billy Crystal movie Analyze That. and You, you love Analyze This and Analyze That. I love Analyze This, I love Analyze That, and I love Billy Crystal's anal scenes in both of those movies. Okay, keep going. <laughs> I also post analytical breakdowns of video games. My first and most recent is about the game Inside. Your first and most recent. Yes. One would say you couldn't be one without the other. I'm pretty happy with it. So, yeah, look up look up Chaboy Explains Inside. It's pretty great. I've watched it. It's a lot of fun. And I learned a lot. Yeah. If you ever if you want to learn about like Karl Marx in in the span of like three minutes and how to spell bourgeoisie yeah i still don't know how to spell bourgeoisie thank you for listening thank you guys so much for listening please follow us on tumblr and send us tweets and let us know what you think about the show Do yeah you have a hashtag just hashtag media media majors. just like find like us shit. Yeah. we're regular people so like come find us yeah we normalize human beings I want to get a fan base. I'd love to do these live. Oh, man, that would be fucking great. It would be so much fun. All right. And as always, we'll be there for you. <laughs> Copyright infringement. <laughs>